0: Thanks. <laughs> and it has its downsides, but we won't talk about
1: <laughs> <Stop>. that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rivki Silver. And I'm Alex Fletcher, And this is Normal From Women. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal From Women is supported by Cleveland Kesher, a quarterly digest-sized glossy magazine that will keep you up to date with the happenings and opportunities in the from Cleveland community. Each issue is packed with advertisers, columns, upcoming events, community initiatives, and so much more. Issues are mailed to residences and delivered to shuls, schools, and local businesses in Cleveland Heights, University Heights, Beachwood, and Wycliffe. The next issue is coming out in June and will be full of info for summer and for the Yama Orion. Contact Yocheved Wylan for advertising info at ywylan at clevelandkesher.com. That's Y-W-Y-L-E-N at clevelandkesher.com.
0: Welcome back. It's been too long, and we are so happy to be here with you on the podcast as we try to get our day to day lives back to normal post pace off, whatever normal means, <laughs> and bring you another episode of Normal from Women. We hope all our listeners had a wonderful pace off and that you all are feeling refreshed and ready
1: for spring. It's so funny how Pesach has only eight days, but it feels like it takes at least eight weeks to put my kitchen back together. I'm still looking for stuff. Oh, my I thought it was just me. No, every year <laughs> it takes so long. So on our Instagram, right after Pesach, I posted in our stories asking what's something you want to take from Pesach and bring into your daily life? I I love that question. It was very thoughtful and a really beautiful response to it. Yeah. I love our responses on our stories so much. So some of the responses were, you know, knowing when to ask for help, not making yourself a martyr, Mm. you know, the notes about like relaxation and finding joy and more than a few ideas of wanting to take like the fresh, simple recipes from Pesach into our regular dinner menus also. Mm. And of course, then of course, a reference to chocolate. Very important. (laughs) Yes, chocolate.
0: I don't know. I feel like everyone eats so much chocolate on Pesach. It's like totally normal to buy 15 bars of chocolate.
1: For sure. Don't forget For, chocolate leaven also. Different category. Oh, it's a yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Alex, we're going to post the same question to you. What is one thing that you want to take from Pesach and bring into your daily life?
0: It's interesting. There was an article that Ruchiko Koval wrote. You know, we talk about her a lot and she's she's been on the podcast and our social media episode. And there's this one very simple idea. And for whatever reason, it just stuck. Um, She shared that satisfaction in anything is commensurate with the effort that you invest in it. So obviously with like Pesach, there was just so much effort, you know, pre and during. Yeah. Like just, you know, I mean... How often are you like on your feet in the kitchen? It was just a lot, you know, a lot of work. But I think it's the most time-intensive holiday that we have. Very time-intensive. And I just found it very physically intensive also. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I kept thinking like instead of being like drowning in that physicality and the exhaustion of it, I just kept thinking like I am pushing and pushing and investing, investing and like putting an effort into this. And the more I invest, the more... Greater my satisfaction is going to be when we're sitting down at our Yantiv meal and like this is the meal I made. It doesn't have to be fancy, but like this is what I worked hard to do. You know, buying the paper goods. Once it's all there, and that mantra just kept going through my mind the entire Pesach, and it literally uplifted all of the hard work. And I, I like this idea of just having like a thought or a theme or a mantra and you know, whether it's a theme of the week or the theme of like a hard time that I'm going through, but it, it absolutely added meaning and energized my experience. Oh, I love it. What
1: about you, if you, like, what would you want to take away from off and bring into your daily life? Um, I think that's, so I don't have a mantra, although now I'm going to be thinking about what I want my mantra to be. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the thing that I really found beneficial was preparing in advance so that I can be more present in the moment. Mm. Like, I, when I'm distracted or trying to do too many things at once, you know, trying to like do dinner while I have like, you know, kids talking to me, et cetera, et cetera, I get really irritable. And then not only am I like missing out on potentially nice interactions with my family, but I'm just like not pleasant to be around. So Mm -hmm. like, I get it. (laughs) I can relate. For Pesach, I did a lot of cooking and baking ahead of time and froze it and Mm -hmm. it made a really big difference. It was still obviously very busy, but just to have those things out of the way Helped me just be more calm, enjoy Cholamorid more, and things like that. How I'm bringing that into my daily life now is to basically, my goal is to have dinner ready or at least thought about <laughs> before my kids come home from school. Mm-hmm. So, this means like, you know, making a menu plan at the start of the week to, ha- to know what I'm going to be doing, to make sure I have the ingredients that I need and the supplies I need. And I, I, this has been something I've been working on for a few years, actually, but I have found that the more I'm able to actually do this than just the better quality of life I have in the afternoons and evenings.
0: Mm. I mean, it's so true. I never really thought about it, but like Yant of meals, you show up to the meal. I mean, you made it, but like, you know, what's, what's being served. You're all planned out. And that definitely adds a a different element, right. To the whole experience. It's like, everyone knows what to expect versus it's seven o'clock on a Thursday night. And you're like, I'm just too tired to put anything together. And everyone's cranky. Exactly. Well, great. And I think this little conversation is a little bit of a a sneak peek into what's to come in today's episode, <laughs> you're going to be hearing some more from us, your That's host, right. Normal From Woman,
1: as we interview each other. That's right. We really wanted our listeners to have an opportunity to get to know us a little better. And we hope by the end of this episode, you'll have learned a little bit more about us as your hosts and that that informs and adds insight to past and future episodes. Yes. Okay, Alex, you're up first. Okay. (laughs) We're going to ask each other some questions that we think our listeners might be curious about. So question number one, tell me about one major decision you made in your life and how you arrived at that decision. Okay. That's a biggie. I I mean, I'll I'll do
0: this as long as I can ask the same thing
1: to you later. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, One major major decision that I made in my life. Um, I'm thinking about like actually when I decided what career track. I don't know if that's the right term. What job, what profession, what major, you know, what my Mm -hmm. educational track would be. Um, I think I came back from seminary, like very, you know, inspired, not brainwashed, but definitely inspired. (laughs) And um, I spent a summer interning at HUK, that's Asia Torah branch in London. How did you get to London? How did that happen? That was really cool. So I was in Stern, um, and one of my friends, her brother, was the program director out there in, in London. Oh, cool. And I was telling her, like, at that time, I like wanted to marry a kibbutz rabbi. I was like very into. I was doing partners in Torah in Manhattan, you know, Isha Torah, and all these different things. And she's like, oh, and I also was at that time, you know, my undergraduate degree is in English communications mm-hmm. um, with a focus on public relations. So she's like, my, i have the perfect shidduch for you, you know, like my 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 brother-in-law runs. Asia Torah in London and they are looking for an intern to do their marketing and I was like oh my gosh and I literally like it was actually it was a summer before I met my husband I met my husband in that that following winter but wow I hopped on a plane I remember like crying to my parents this was like the unknown like really I was going to London I knew no one they were putting me up in some apartment with some other single girls. I am a British citizen, believe it or not, because my
1: father's British. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I
0: have a British passport. So in a way, that I was, like, excited about that. But I, I just showed up there, and the the epiphany really was in my, in my working there is I would be writing, sitting at the computer all day. You know, I was helping them write their, um, what was it called at the time, like a yearly report, you know, of all okay. of all their events and things like that. And I was writing about all of their programming, and it just hit me, like, I don't want to be the one writing about these things. I want to be the one doing these things. Wow. And I still remember literally exactly where I was sitting, like when I had that realization and I didn't go into Kiru, but I definitely left. I, I, I veered away from the writing PR communications. And then I decided to get a master's in Jewish education. Wow. And that, yeah, that was really like that key turning point. I then went to teach in a, um, non-religious community school where, yeah, where my students were not from. And I taught limited Kodesh and I also taught English, um, middle school. So I had the best of both worlds there. That really really is. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the funny thing is like now, now I'm back to my writing, you know, and I I actually am taking a hiatus from teaching. I don't know how long, probably for a while I taught (laughs) in the classroom. Gosh, I taught you know, 18 years or so, and just the grading and all that I'm sort of done. If I go back to administration or something like that, that, that I think would be my next foray into education, but just to wrap up, you know, it's just like, you make these decisions, but nothing is set in stone, you know, like, and now I'm back to plan A, which was, you know, writing. And now I, I work with Aisha over here in Cleveland as a volunteer doing programming. You know, it's it's exactly it's sort of all come full circle. So that that was that was my my decision.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. And I love that how you illustrated kind of that throughout life, you know, sometimes I think that maybe when we're when we're getting our degree or we're young and we are still embarking on our you know life journey, so to speak. Like we think that it's going to be like this linear process that like, oh, I'm going to major in X and then I'm going to do X. (laughs) (laughs) And the reality is that it's so much more fluid than that because life circumstances are always changing. And I love how you showed that you are using your skill set, but you've been so fluid in the way that you've been able to use it and that it's not, that's a bracha to be able to use your skill set in different ways throughout life as your life circumstances change. Yes, I hope so. But
0: there's a lack of stability in that. And for some people, they okay, like fair. working in the same school for 30 years. That could never have been me. You know what I mean? <laughs> this fits me much more.
1: So I you exactly. yeah. you recognize it. Right. And you have to know yourself. Exactly. There's yes. different types and they're both and they're all normal, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so question number two is, what is something that you struggle with in your Yiddish kite? Okay. Actually
0: sort of relates back to question number one. Back to those first seeds that were planted, I think, in seminary, mm-hmm. where um, being inspired, feeling connection so strongly, right? Yeah. Definitely being in Israel. Like, I remember once davening shachars in my seminary and, like, saying Shona Esther and, like, saying Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and realizing, looking out the window, that, like, we are in the land of Israel with Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Just that. Yes. I felt so connected, right?
1: Absolutely, And then like
0: coming home and like, why would you ever sever that? Why would you, or why would I rather, this is what was going on <laughs> in my head. Why would you ever not dive it? How would you skip that? You love this. This is your lifeline. And as the years went by with more, you know, responsibilities and being an adult and other things that were important that then were added to my life, right? Before it's right. just you and your self-development and, who, and your identity and who you're becoming. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get married, you have children, you have jobs, you have other responsibilities. There's just so many other things that now are, are fitting there that need right. attention. You have chronic and,
1: sleep deprivation. <laughs> right,
0: there we go. <laughs> that, that is a big struggle of mine is staying connected, staying motivated. And I will even add finding meaning, Mm. There are many times where I am like, I know I found meaning in this, whatever ritual mitzvah observance, but this is not feeling meaningful to me anymore. And sometimes that scares me. I'm being a little raw here. Mm. No, (laughs) but it scares me sometimes. It's like, why? It's just, I'm not feeling it. You know, does it mean that there's no meaning there? No, it's more me. It's, it's, I have to work harder to make this more, um, to feel more connected to whatever it is that, that I'm not feeling at that moment.
1: From what I understand from conversations I've had with friends, it's so normal. And I remember back when I was in seminary that Rabbi Shalkovsky, the Manal of um, Neveh Yerushalayim where I went to seminary, he had said that there's gonna be times when you don't feel connected to davening, but you still should daven that way when you are in a place where you're feeling more inspired like your muscles haven't atrophied, so to speak. So number three, when you're out there in the outside world in whatever capacity, what about being an observant Jewish woman makes you beam with pride? Wow,
0: it, you know, talking about like when we're out there in the outside world. I mean, I'm thinking about like when you're walking in the mall. You know, <laughs> like no matter how okay. how cute are dressed, like you're still different. You're still making a statement to the world that like we yeah. follow a different set of laws, we follow different standards. I'm very conscious of that as a firm person. You know, um, that I'm never going to blend in. I don't even see that necessarily as a value that I need to blend in. Like, I guess it's sort of leading me to really a pride that I have about stance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do feel, I feel privileged. Honestly, I feel like it's an honor. It's a badge of honor for a Jewish woman, um, yeah. to, to dress seriously, to, to let her inner self shine. And you know, you know, those women where it's like, you see them who are just beautiful inside and out and, and due to their beautiful composure and, you know, they're following Halakha and following the guidelines of Sinus it's like they have, there's like a special shine to them. It's like their inner essence like really shines forth.
1: Right, and when you yeah.
0: when you see it and people, like you, you can't even put it in words, you know it. Like they, you know, and, right, and it's, I think it's, all of us it's have ching. it to, it's to an extent. Yeah, yes, exactly. and like, it's on a spiritual level, I think. I agree. Um, and I, I'm proud of that. And I mean, not always, you know, I'm right today I'm wearing a sweatshirt and a black silky skirt and my Nikes, you know what I mean? I don't know if I'm feeling it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean I have to look gorgeous to feel it. It's not about what I'm wearing. It's about my intention and my belief that always goes with me no matter where I am, that I'm not going to let my body be the first thing that people see and be um the focus of who i am and i think there's a lot to be proud about with our belief and our practice of, of dressing seriously
1: absolutely number four bio blurb version of yourself versus reality so what is something that people wouldn't guess about you based on how you present to the public?
0: Okay. <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> um, dish, dish, dish. <laughs> seriously. Okay. So I'm going to go with like the writing, writing persona. Um, actually, this is sort of funny. <laughs> a year or two ago, I literally had this experience. It was a year and a half ago. It was right before lockdown. I went to New York for a mishpacha, um, and You remember this debate yeah, if I'm going or not. Yeah, I remember. So come, yeah, they come in every year. Um, my editor, Shana Freeman, who is the managing editor of the magazine, and they put on a beautiful dinner um, in Brooklyn for... You know, all the writers to come and to meet and to schmooze and just camaraderie. And there's gifts. I, I, it's a beautiful, it sounds beautiful, beautiful absolutely thing.
1: delightful. Yeah. Really delightful. You could
0: come too, Rifki. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll go maybe, together. Maybe, maybe. We're going to go. I loved it. But you know, of course, like my pictures on the website. So if anyone really wanted to know, they could see the website. And I think actually that website was recently launched. So not People, didn't, you didn't know what I looked like, but they knew my name. Right. So, it, which is bizarre, because, like, I'm going to meet people, and they're like, oh, you're Alexandra Fletcher. And I'm like, <laughs> totally, like, oh, this is so weird. <laughs> anyway, so one of the writers, who will remain nameless, was like, oh, you were Alexandra Fletcher. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And she's like, I totally didn't imagine you, that you would look like this. And I'm like, what? She's like, I just... That was really embarrassing. <laughs> she's like, I thought you were like the totally like brainy nerdy type because you're so smart. Backing <laughs> <laughs> up. And I'm oh like, I don't know. Gosh. Is that a compliment? I like really, I guess she's trying to say that like, I don't even know what she was trying to say. But I just said you look gorgeous and polished and put together. <laughs> and that smart people can't look like that. I don't know what the it's, takeaway is. That's <laughs> the weird part about it. It's like smart people. Not that I, I don't even think I'm smart. I think I'm a good writer. Honestly, like that's a skill set of mine, but I'm not like smart and nerdy, you know, which is just, <laughs> I guess I present that way. <laughs> okay, so I totally smashed her expectations, but
1: oh, I'll funny. just leave, I'll leave that's the answer. So final question, closing off. Okay. What do you deep down truly strive for in life? Mm. What is something that you really want, even if it's not attainable for whatever reason, like the sky's the limit? I really want... A lot of things and I don't mean things physical things
0: like I want for everyone in my family including myself including all of my children to excel and accomplish Mm, but on one hand I want like you know my 12th grade son is graduating now you know from from Yeshiva and I Like, I want that he has, like, a wonderful relationship with his band that he does and learning, which he has. But, like, I also am like, oh, I wish he had, um, you know, more sports or extracurricular activities where he could Identify and explore his talents, or Mm -hmm. you know, more secular education, you know, more exposure to literature. I'm an English teacher, you know. Of course, of course, yeah. And and I'm not bashing his school. He's any he's in a yeshiva with with a pretty strong general studies department. It's it's like there's no yeshiva like exists with like excellence in general studies plus excellence, so it just doesn't exist. Right. So, but I'm that kind of person. I want it all. I so <laughs> so I, I so relate. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> <I do. But laughs> it's very hard. So you can't have it all and you have to choose. So I do that, but I'm constantly like, but then I've come to the point now, like hitting almost 20 years of marriage where it's like, I've just given up. So like, while I may want, wish my cer- certain of my younger children has certain extracurricular activities. It's just all like two of them help me. So nobody has an extracurricular activity. <laughs> <laughs> so i i want everything I, I also wish we lived in israel and my kids lived a more simple lifestyle and we were yeah. out running in the fields and like yeah. exploring like the, you know all of the harvesting uh, your own olives from your own harvesting olives. my own yeah, olives yeah. wearing they oat and head scarves but i also love manhattan and I love it. <laughs> it's all i strive for lots of things and i try to at least grab one thing you know when that can't that um machine in the arcade. I just go d- d- dive in and hope, well, at least one thing sticks so I can pull Exactly.
1: <laughs> that you don't end up with the empty claw. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Are you ready, Rivki? I am ready.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to start with number one. Tell me about one major decision you made
1: in your life and how you arrived at that decision. Okay. So, people who know my background can probably see this answer coming from a mile away. But mm-hmm. the obvious answer is Converting to Judaism. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it, like how I arrived at that decision. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole speech. But um, the the long and short of it is that why, why would any person like change their entire life over into pursuit of, you know, a, I wasn't even religious, you know, at the time <laughs> when I was like looking into Judaism and it was a whole story of hashka Pratis. It's, I've written about it, you know, on jewinthecity.com and in, you know, Mishpacha and stuff. So like you can, whatever, people can find it. Maybe we can put a link. Really, I was so impressed with how Judaism provided this incredible structure for what I saw was the ability to live the most meaningful life possible. Like, that's how I I saw it. I was like, this is the syllabus for life, you know? Like, this is exactly how to do everything. Like the joy how to behave at a wedding like how to do how to do a wedding how to do joy how to celebrate having a baby and also mm. how to deal with all of the hard parts in life you know about death and loss and finding meaning in the challenges and the struggles so that it wasn't just like struggle and pain with like just struggle and pain but it was struggle and pain with like an undercurrent of meaning and guidance on how to deal with the tough things in life like i remember thinking to myself this is amazing. Everything in Judaism is amazing. And then when my kids go through hard things in their life, I will be able to give them these tools. They will have these tools and they will be able to deal with it better than I was able to deal with it. Wow. (laughs) I I
0: never really thought about, I mean, you hear this like Judaism is a tool book, but tools for life. I, I never really thought of it this way. I mean, this is, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was it really um, very profoundly affected me so much that I, you know, obviously changed my entire <laughs> life around and became Jewish. Amazing.
0: <laughs> well, that's actually interesting. The next question is, you know, obviously you're coming into this with such passion, with such commitment, with such freshness. Do you struggle? I'm, oh my gosh, yeah, that's course, even the first course. question. Struggle. <laughs> okay, fine. Of <laughs> you course, you struggle. Course. <laughs> you're normal. What's something? Let's let's hear. What is something that you struggle with in your describe? Right?
1: I think the thing that I found like the most, I guess, definitive struggle would be um, integrating my past life and my past values and my loves and all of those things and integrating it into my current from life. So like a lot Hmm. of people who became religious later in life, or whatever, however you want to describe it, like I threw everything out, like I threw out (laughs) Like, I didn't really, I didn't have any concept of, like, you could layer tops with a shell underneath. I threw out all of my super cute tank tops, all of my super oh, cute funny. short sleeves, t- like, everything. I, th- I had a whole beautiful collection of vinyl records. Trafe, throw them out. Wow. You know, like, I, I, I got rid of everything. I was so extreme. You caught a salt. Did you sell them? Oh, no. That would have been too sensible. I was like, get them out. Oh, my I don't gosh. even know what I did with them. And Oh, my we, gosh. Right. So I, like, really went, you know, like hardcore. So speed ahead. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, obviously no one recommends and like all the Baal Tshuva seminaries we like, don't go too fast. But when it comes to like conversion, it's different. Cause I felt like I had to yeah. prove to the base that I was going to be like the best possible Jew ever, you know? <laughs> and so like in my interpretation of that concept, like I, I just was like wanted to distance myself as much as possible from who I was and then show them who I could be, which obviously like, I don't want to get into the whole like, you know, mental yeah. emotional ramifications of that, but fine. So but,
0: I, but can I, I just add, I, I just have to say, yeah, we can't, I can't judge that experience. <laughs> no one can judge that. <laughs> Only a convert could possibly relate and understand that.
1: So, yes, yeah, so I think it was just really like it's the, the next 15 years, you know, the past 15 years have been spent me then kind of sifting through and saying, well, this is really kosher. I can keep this part of my past and this Mm. is fine. And this one does need to kind of stay, you know, but um, to kind of find that balance between the things that I appreciate. I mean, I had a wonderful childhood. So there's many things and values that I do appreciate. And so kind of finding the balance between, you know, the zeal and the the ardor of like first converting and then settling into the hash that I am now, which is not as far to the right as it, I was when I was first converting. And so that's the biggest struggle is just finding who my authentic self is when I have been through like so many different lifestyles in my life. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And I do wonder for our
0: FSB listeners, I'm not FSB myself, you know, we became religious when I was 12, but I wonder if any of this resonates as a, as a journey or experience that FFBs have. I, I wonder if anyone who's ever experienced any kind of growth, right? Exactly. Like, it Wait, doesn't it's have like to be that to converts. Yeah, Right. Exactly. Like, you're just trying to figure out, like, maybe you went through a stage, like, someone went through a rebellious stage, but yes. then they actually realize, wait, maybe I could take out some of the stuff that I was doing that I could integrate into my, from life, but it's not so bad. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I, it's yeah. really fascinating. Okay. Exactly. Well, considering your background, I'm really intrigued to hear your answer to the next question. <laughs> when, when you're out there in the outside world, which you could, I wonder if even you even think that's like my past life. You know what I mean? I used to be at for the street restaurant, right? Yeah. Wow. Sure. That's weird. It's like your old totally your old life. Yeah, it's like an out of body experience sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about being an observant Jewish woman makes you beam with pride?
1: Ah, so, I think that um, the thing that I find most like obvious, like in my face, like when I'm interacting you know, with the outside world in any way, shape or form, like my, my, fi- my, my immediate family, notwithstanding, but like people who I don't know, right. well, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I am so proud of is the way that we, as like from Yidden, take so much care in the way that we speak in mm. like the language that we use, the topics that we don't talk about the, the, you know, just as far as like, we don't gossip, we don't trash people, you know, there's a general kind of just menschlichkeit. Mm-hmm to the way that we talk, you know, because of all of our extensive, extensive loss of Shmir Selesha.
0: Amazing. Amazing. You know,
1: and I have found, it's so interesting when I've had like phone conversations or just like, you know, small talk conversations with people outside of the firm world, I, like, I can't even tell you how quickly like gossip or like trashing people or talking bad about people or groups of people mm-hmm. or things like that comes up so often like so quick into like a like a relationship with someone. I've always been so surprised. I'm like, oh, we're talking about this now. So interesting. Okay. <laughs> and um, it just made me appreciate all the more that in our communities, is like that kind of, I mean, listen, we're all working on ourselves. No one is perfect. We can all, you know, do better sometimes in this area. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. but, but generally speaking, I found that there's just kind of like a, a heightened level of discourse um, among from people. That and the fact that I've noticed that in the from community, there's such an emphasis on growth and on personal development mm-hmm. and of constant improving and striving to improve that I always find just I'm just so proud to be part of a community that is constantly mm-hmm. seeking to improve itself and to behave with dignity in class. Ah, oh, beautiful. It is so true. And I think anyone who's had that experience, people
0: maybe who were more sheltered and then went into the workforce. I know my husband was in yeshiva and then he went to medical school and <laughs> a lot of his camaraderie, you know, um, you know, in Neri Yisrael, there are a lot of guys that will, you know, do that together. And, and I remember them discussing like, oh my gosh, you go in, into like the medical fields and like the language, you know, like how yeah. people taught, like, it's so normal. And, like, when they're coming from the, the base measures to that, like, you realize, like, whoa, we have something very, very different. Right. And I'm going to add, too, you know, we were talking about Sineas. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like, what what we talk about as friends, you know, like, we don't, it, you know, generally, like, we're not talking about inappropriate stuff or making inappropriate jokes. That is such a part of the secular world, right? Oh, so, such a huge part. So, your bio blurb version of yourself versus reality, what is something that people want to guess about you based on how you present to the public?
1: Oh, so bio blurbs always feel so fake to me when I have to write them. Oh, I'm always dreading it. I'm like, ugh, this is not who I am. I'm like, I can't. Oh my gosh. Um, so. I like, um, Rabbi W. Byshevkin has a great approach to bio blurbs where he has in his Twitter bio, um, rejected from many prestigious, um, awards and, uh, institutions. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I really, I, I appreciate that. And I relate to it, a uh, lot on a, on a deep level because, um, I, you know, I majored in classical music and clarinet performance in my bachelor's and I had intended to go on and get a master's in clarinet performance. Cause you can't do anything with a bachelor's in clarinet performance. And wow. I didn't get into any of my graduate school choices and I had applied to like three very top tier schools. I didn't get into any of them. And I was like, oh, so it was obviously very, very devastating at the time. I wrote a lot of bad poetry and, um, but in the, you know, in hindsight, it was a catalyst for me being able to look into Judaism. Like, I don't know if I would have, you know, found Judaism if I had been busy on the track to get my master's and potentially a doctorate in music. So I was kind of in this lull of my life. And that's when the Heshkacha led me to Yiddishkeit. Amazing. What a story. Uh, I know. I never knew this. Oh, oh. (laughs) here you're having it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but but at the time I was devastated and, you know, that even though now in hindsight, I can see the Heshkacha of it and I can see how it was really a huge bracha, but it really seriously undermined my, um, self-esteem for a very long time because like I felt like such a fraud whenever I would mm-hmm. like get uh, an award or I would like present myself as like you know a, mu- a trained classical musician I'd be like I'm a trained wow. classical musician but also a fraud <laughs> like, oh, you know? off the whole
0: academic Ugh, system I know. this is garbage yeah, and you're probably like you. I'm not must not be that good right of course that's I what can't I can't
1: imagine of course that's what Awful. I thought It was, and it, this kind of um, insecurity leaked into a lot of, like, you know, it just contributed to the imposter syndrome of like, Mm. I'm a writer and I get paid for writing, but am I really allowed to call myself a writer? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of these, you know, these things. So um, that's something that I always wish people would know, like, you know, with this bio blurb, you know, and with any success and any award and any whatever publication or whatever, there's always like this little like ball of insecurity, just kind of like simmering under the surface. Mm -hmm. And just like that feeling of, you know, I didn't go to a fancy college, I don't have a degree from like a a brand name institution and and all of those things and Mm -hmm. how like all these little these little things can undermine confidence, but like really, like what does any of it mean? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. So it's what you've achieved today. Yeah, look what you've achieved today. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, 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 one more thing, one more quick thing. Yeah. Something else that people may not guess is that I actually really love, um, I really love being a homemaker and I love being a stay-at-home mom and I find... I find a lot of satisfaction in domestic tasks and Aww. I feel like, right. But I feel like it's not anything that anyone would ever like want to see on a bio blurb. She really gets satisfaction out of a folded basket of laundry. Like, uh. <laughs> like, you know, I can feel people's eyes glaze over, like who wants to relate to that, you know, but like, Aww. I do, I find it very satisfying. So I just want to give a shout out to anyone who finds yes. keeping house satisfying. It's okay. <laughs> I think there
0: needs to be a movement to embrace the, and to celebrate right celebrate is yeah. part of womanhood there needs to be some like movie made where everyone's like oh i want to do is be a stay-at-home mom and don't make stay-at-home moms look crazy right i, I think and there's not so much has, beauty in it
1: and not everyone has the 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 choice and like i i, I understand that yeah. you know but like,
0: well let me rephrase that i don't yeah. mean stay-at-home mom because i was just thinking about you but i mean yeah like you said like like taking care of your family, taking care of your house, like the domestic aspects of womanhood. Again, ooh, maybe I'm getting into hot water. <laughs> Not every woman has to has to be domestic. Right. The and husbands well, can do too.
1: but I feel like that's the thing. It's but like, that's the
0: worry. That's the concern there. <laughs>
1: right. You know, that it's, you know, it's I feel like it's it's more, it's more trendy and it's more uh popular just to like, you know, be like, ugh, dinner, ugh, laundry, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah. And I hear that too, and I validate it. I don't think everyone has to like it. I just think that there shouldn't be any shame. And actually liking it either. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all.
0: Okay. Well, we gotta rewrite re- re- your, your blurb. I, th- I think there's <laughs> a way we can include all of these things. In
1: <laughs> I'll get on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What do you, Riffy, deep down, truly strive for in life? What is something that you really want, even if it's not, even if it's not attainable for whatever reason?
1: world peace. I want world peace. Ah, oh, wow. You are a hippie girl. <laughs> oh, you don't even know. Kumbaya. That's like, I just want everyone to sit and hold hands Nagea, though, and sing Kumbaya. Like, you know, like I just want everyone to get along. Like I hate when people are fighting with each other and I just feel like it would be so nice if everyone could interact, you know, with Shalom, like neighbors, family members, if we could all have like inner peace and get rid of our inner conflict. And then like, The internet would only be full of people like doing nice things and there would never be these like, you know, snarky takedowns Mm -hmm. and judging anyone else for like their choices based on something that they read on the internet. And I just, I just feel like it would be so nice. I have to start with my own children so they don't stop, you know, they could stop eating each other endlessly and you know, whatever. And like, but no, but really, I just feel like to have some like increase in harmony in general, like Mm. if I could find a way to make that happen, like that would be Mm. I'd be happy. Well,
0: I love how you're responding to this in such a global perspective, not just like what you personally want. Like you realize (laughs) that, oh, but the conflict is the root of so many problems. It is. Right? Yeah. Like worldwide and personal,
1: like families, all of this, it's all about conflict. Yeah, it is, you know, but it's a lifelong. I feel like it's a lifelong and that's Torah also. Like we learn to, you know, when we learn and grow and work on ourselves and our own videos, then that helps reduce conflict, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. True, life it's, uh, it's a, lifelong, uh, it's a to, lifelong thing,
0: so, but it's back to your first question, which is Torah as providing those tools. That's right. <laughs> so full circle, we planned it this way. <laughs> ok. um, our next segment of the episode today is our five questions. And we realized it would not make any sense to bring. Another normal from woman on, we are going to focus again on ourselves, but not because we are just so egocentric. Honestly, I've always wondered how I would answer the five questions. Same, yes. Okay, good. And I've wondered what you would, especially the dishes in the sink. So let's go straight to
1: it. Rivki, can you fall asleep with the dishes in your sink? Boy, can I. I have never had problems with this. Like the opposite. Like I've been, I think a little bit too comfortable with this one. Yes. <laughs> (laughs) but um yes I actually I have no problem with it it's totally fine but I do like when I am able to I like being able to do it because it just makes my morning so much more smooth but if I don't get to it like I I don't lose any sleep it's fine Mm -hmm.
0: awesome what is your favorite mitzvah and why
1: so I'm laughing because we already talked about this a little bit um, in our answers above. But my favorite mitzvah, when I was thinking about it is actually tzeis for mm. some of the yeah for some of the reasons that you yourself said. You know, um, I love that it gives like this kind of boundaries between what is private and what is public, and what is for you know consumption just within. Um, you know my own relationship with with hashem or my relationship with my husband you know as far as like what he can see what we talk about you know what i share with my family what i share with my friends and what i share with the wider world and that there is a you know that idea of there are some things that are just not for public consumption mm, and then mm-hmm. that and then and it makes it precious and it makes it holy you know when there are mm. things that are just for certain relationships what do you do to recharge So I sleep. I love sleeping. I love napping. Mm -hmm. Um, I like reading books for relaxation. Um, Obviously, we've talked about my Candy Crush preference, but I I find reading a book is more relaxing than playing Candy Crush because I get competitive. And then um, also taking a walk, just going and taking a walk just around the block, like a short Mm -hmm. walk, I find very, Mm -hmm. very refreshing. Beautiful. Tell me, Rifki, what do you love about yourself? This is a tricky one to answer. Mm. Um, I'm going to say that I love my agreeability. I don't know if that's really a word, but I'm making it a word. I think it is. (laughs) So I like how when I'm meeting someone for the first time or when I'm um, interacting with people, friends, family, acquaintances, like my innate tendency is to look for points of where I agree with them, points of connection, points where we're the same. And I find like it just makes... Like I like connecting to people and I like agreeing with them and it's, it goes back to that, you know, I like people to be, um, in peaceful relationship to each other. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think the firm world needs more of? So I think that the firm world could do more, um, appreciation for how awesome it is, I think that there's like a human tendency to view the grass as greener and to look at the, the dysfunction and the things that aren't working so well. And yeah, of course, like in any society and in any subculture, there's gonna be things that need improvement and things that don't maybe work so well and things that could be better. But I think there's so much beauty and wholesomeness and just things to be proud of in like from life and in our amazing Messorah and in Yiddishkeit and in living according to like, you know, Torah. I think that we could do more reflection on how amazing it is and how fortunate we are and also work on improving the stuff, but not necessarily focusing just on the stuff that we don't like, but on all of the amazing things there are to appreciate. Okay. So Alex, it's your turn. Yeah. Can you fall asleep
0: with issues in this day? Oh, yes, I can.
1: <laughs> oy vey. Oy vey. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, listen, this question sounds very like throwaway silly, but- um, I'll hear a lot of women who were like, oh, I, my first, when I first got married, I never would. Or it's like below people think it's like below me or it's some s- sign of like, oh, you have terrible domestic skills or some <laughs> weak moral weakness. If you follow sleeper dishes in <laughs> your sink. saying, and I refuse to allow that to indicate anything about me other than the That's fact great. that I prioritize my sleep. What's your favorite mitzvah? And wow. Mm. Wow. Okay. So. I thought I was thinking just now, actually, as you were speaking. It's a little random. I'm gonna say cautious. Ooh. I'm gonna tell you why. Um, you know, we we're talking before, I was mentioning before about like not finding meaning sometimes in things that felt meaningful to me in the past. And I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie, I'm not that does I'm gonna be honest here. Like you mentioned about the davening. Like you don't feel meaning in it. And it's going to be very easy to sl- make that slip, you know, and not mm-hmm. daven because it's sort of like, well, there are so many other things, right? For example, right. right. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, there are things in our observance that maybe we have let slip and maybe we don't do anymore, right? Or mm-hmm. we do. And again, that may sound heretical and I apologize. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that like I don't keep Shabbos in it, but I think there are little things that we may not be as careful about as we once were, right? Exactly. But Why I'm saying cautious is that is something that I could never imagine ever, like, slipping up on. Like, could you ever imagine being like, "Mm," I mean, again, I apologize if this, if people do struggle with this, but for me, I could never imagine being like, oh, that um, ice cream looks really good, you know, and I think I'm just going to go and buy it because (laughs) it looks really good and I want to eat it and I'm going to slip. So for me, I think cautious is just like one of those mitzvahs that it's just like I will like always be strong about like I it's just a symbol of like my commitment to Yiddishkite and it it, it couldn't cross my mind to go and eat treats. I wouldn't I would never think of it. I mean it's a show. It should always be that way.
1: I mean have I completely horrified you? No, it's beautiful. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. I just, I love that you picked Koshfis. It is, it is random, but I think that it's like, it's such like a fundamental, like cornerstone mix you know? Exactly. That's That's how it feels to me. What do you do to recharge? If
0: I need to take a nap, I will take a nap if I have that luxury. Um, Sleep is like very important for me. And I feel the effects of lack of sleep. Like even if I go to bed, like, you know, too late, an hour too late, I, it really impacts me. So yeah. I I think sleep. Oh, and I love nature. I love nature. Like in Cleveland, we have, in Ohio, we have just beautiful opportunities to like be out there in the woods. And like, I just find being in nature is so restorative.
1: Yeah. I'm so happy the weather is finally getting nice Mm -hmm. now. So what do you love about yourself?
0: Um, I love about myself that like, if I believe in something, I'm a passionate supporter and I'm a passionate believer. So, and I think that drives a lot of the projects that I've been involved with is like, you know, whether it was with a friend or a colleague where we'll have, we'll be like-minded about something. We'll share a passion and like, I will be all in, like, I believe in something I'm there for you. I'm there to support it. I'm there to be your poster girl, you know? And it's, I think it has to do with just um, like a certain strong will vision, passion
1: that is part of my personality. Oh, absolutely. I can totally see that. I really like that you picked that for yourself. Okay. Last question. What do you think the firm world needs more of?
0: Um, you know, once I was involved in a project uh, trying to sort of affect change in a certain area in the firm community. And one um, Rav said that make, changing things in the orthodox community in the firm world is like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. Oh. And it, it's it's very slow, very delicate process. And there are very good reasons for that. <laughs> and there's a lot of history as to why that is that way. Um, Nonetheless, because of that, and because it's so complicated to change things, um, and because some things shouldn't be touched with a 10-foot pole in terms of changing, (laughs) um, there's a general attitude and wariness of change. And I'm going to use the word improvement, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm very much that kind of person where, like, you know, whether it's that critical eye seeing something that's wrong, but not, like, Wallowing and complaining about it, I'm very much like, oh, well, how can we make this better? How can we improve it? Exactly. And, and that, that may mean change. But um, because of this history, even sometimes improving things um, comes with um, a, a very cautionary stance. And I wonder how, as a firm community, when we see things that need changing, um, improving, I'm going to take the way changing away, improving, how can we? more, embrace that without being afraid.
1: Beautiful. Oh, I like that. To, yeah. to view like um, improvement, not as a threat, but as exactly. you know, an improvement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Here's this episode's takeaway. When you get to know a person better, you realize that you can look at someone and typecast them, but you really have no idea of their whole world and story. Knowledge about a person breeds compassion and understanding. We want to try to acknowledge that
0: every person Is a universe, and that what I see about a person really is just scratching the surface. Every person is complex due to all the various factors from genes to
1: life experiences that form who he or she is. Thank you so much for listening today. Have you rated and reviewed Normal From Women yet? Alex and I would so appreciate it if you would take a minute to do that. Our growth as a new podcast is helped along by people who take the time to rate and review. So thanks to those of you who already have done it.
0: And if you have any suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hi, you know you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our episodes and you're on social media, follow us at Normal Women on Facebook and Instagram for some more great content. See you next episode.